Ding dong! Matt Canada is gone. And guess what? I hate to be the one to break it to you, but that can only be the beginning. Good morning to you. Good. And I do mean good. Wednesday morning, I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way every weekday, bright and early, if you're into Hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Mike Tomlin fired Canada yesterday, early in the morning, as offensive coordinator. Yes, it was Tomlin who did the firing. No, I am not guessing at this. Yes, I actually know this. No, I won't accept other explanations no matter how convenient that narrative might fit for some people who just really hate the guy and can't stand the thought that he would have done something that made them happy. Too bad, okay? Tomlin's got a lot of issues that are very real. He's got points to criticize that are very real. This isn't one of them. And among those points to criticize that are real is the cold, hard potentially ugly fact that firing Canada at this juncture will have minimal impact on this group, this season, or for that matter, this quarterback. See, Tomlin also confirmed on this same day that Pickett will be the starter Sunday in Cincinnati. And I've got no issue with that. The last thing I want to see is more of Mitch Trubisky, and that is who would get the nod. Everyone can engage in their fantasies about Mason Rudolph. That's not going to happen. He's number three, and he's the emergency guy, and it's just not going to happen. So you would get Mitch or Kenny, and you might as well at least give Kenny a shot to show that maybe, just maybe, this coordinator who just merited in every conceivable way his firing might have been part of the problem, meaning as it relates to the quarterback. To what percentage? We can never know this, okay? We can never know who makes the middle of the field off limits, who was responsible for these elementary wide receiver routes that were being run by Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and others. Who made the call to throw three straight times with 142 left? Even if those questions are answered verbally, we still don't know. That's just how football rolls. They don't have to tell you everything, and they'd really rather not. And that goes double for this head coach. But this now falls into the hands of Eddie Faulkner, the running backs coach, who will be the acting or just the offensive coordinator, since I didn't hear any qualifiers mentioned yesterday. And Mike Sullivan, the quarterback's coach, who will actually do the play calling, the in-game play calling. My guess is that you're going to see Faulkner on the sideline, the way Canada had been recently, and that you're going to see Sullivan up in the booth, where he can focus on trying to be good at something that he hasn't done in a very long time. He's done it. But it's been a while. And on top of all that, 
they've got to face a pretty good Cincinnati defense, and they've got to do it in a circumstance where I fear that it'll run contrary to public perception. They're not going to have a chance to do much at all with the playbook. That's just not how those things go. These players have been practicing these plays, these X's and O's, these assignments for months. And if they'd been here longer going back than this season, they've been practicing them for years. They've become instinct. They've become things that they work out with their teammates or their offensive line mates. You can't mess with that. You just can't mess with that on Thanksgiving week. So you have a lot of different people here who are under a lot of different anvils hanging by a lot of different threads. Think about that. Think about that heading into an AFC North weekend on the road. I'll count them for you. And I'll start with Kenny because I don't believe, and this is just me, this is not anything that I've heard, this is just me. I don't believe Kenny could survive Another weekend like the one he just had in Cleveland. I don't think he can do that on back-to-back Sundays and keep his job. You can say what you want about that. Again, it's just me. It's just a feeling. It's not information. And to get past that, he's going to have to do things he hasn't done for a long time. He's going to have to throw deep and connect deep. He's going to have to throw to the middle of the field. He's going to have to find his tight end. He's going to have to find George Pickens. He's going to have to stop that stupid left side roll that he does every time he sees an opponent's jersey. He's going to have to get on the same bleeping page with Deontay Johnson. No excuses. It's Thanksgiving week, and they're teaming up, hooking up on routes like it's mid-May. I got another one for you. How would you like to be Najee Harris running out of that tunnel in Cincinnati? With everyone knowing, knowing that you had some role in getting the offensive coordinator fired. Like, that'll make you really popular around here, but guess what? You gotta go out onto that playing surface and prove that you were right. Prove that that guy who just got canned was a big part of the problem and that you were right. That's a lot of pressure. It is, on top of the fact that he's being outperformed left and right by Jalen Warren. How about Faulkner? How about Sullivan? How about Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach? When you get the coordinator out of the way, you get the new coordinator, and that coordinator happens to be the running backs coach, he is going to be working probably more with you than with anyone else on the staff because he needs to figure out what hasn't gone right or what has gone right and how they can do more of it, specifically related, obviously, to the running game. Do you know how many of those guys are going to keep their jobs after the coordinator's been gone? They need to succeed. And then there's the head coach, who I will insist still needs to get this offense back to at least some semblance of normality. These were his players. These are his players. These are Mike Tomlin's players out there. Players that he contributed toward being drafted. Every last one of them. 
acquired in some form, have Tomlin's fingerprints on them. He should have his job in jeopardy if this offense doesn't get turned around. He should have his job in jeopardy if it's recognized appropriately by Art Rooney that he made this move involving Canada laughingly too late. I know, I know, there's a lot going on in this scenario, isn't there? And just wait, just wait till Sunday, and just wait till these games that follow. This storyline, this particular storyline, is only going to get ramped up with each passing week. My friends, the firing of Canada, as welcome as it is, can only be the first chapter of what's got to be a lot of chapters to fix this. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Jeff, who says, DK, who's responsible for hiring the next long-term offensive coordinator? I've been forever a Mike Tomlin fan, but he's shown that he can't do this well. Please tell me that someone else in the organization will take the lead on this. Jeff, I have a couple of different things to say to this. The first is that even though... Me and you and everyone else on the outside who follows this football team is going to be fascinated with the idea of who that individual might be or who even the candidates might be, who's available, who once upon a time played quarterback for the Steelers, Charlie Batch, Byron Leftwich, Ben Roethlisberger's name is even coming up. He's not doing this. It's it's 60, 70 hours a week. You think he's just going to show up at the facility and say, hey, I'm here, everybody. Let's all uh, take a look here as I draw these plays out in the sand. But it's going to be a real storyline for us, not for them. Not if Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, and of course, Art Rooney are still going to conduct business with what they see as the Steelers' way. They're going to be focused on nothing other than beating the Bengals this week. And after that, they're going to be focused on beating the next team and then the next team and then the next team. That's just how they roll. You hear me say that occasionally in a critical tone, but the reality is to be even thinking about longer-term offensive coordinators right now would make no sense. Because you have no idea what the field is. Coordinator positions in the NFL are like musical chairs. Somebody's going to get up. Somebody's going to sit down. A bunch of people are going to get up after the offseason. And you might think to yourself, wow, there's somebody I didn't expect to become available. Why would you eliminate that to hire someone or to even think of hiring someone now? Or in December. It makes no sense. They can't help you now. They really can't. They're coming in. I'm going to repeat this from the opening segment. And using 
the Matt Canada Playbook. You think they want their name attached to using the Canada Playbook in any capacity? Hell no. You'll have your best market for this position established in the offseason, in January, beginning really heavily in January, and then continuing on through the Super Bowl. That's when this stuff happens. That's when you see this type of movement. And that leads me to the other part of my answer for you, which is that, man, you know what? Just once, even if it's just as a novelty, how about having an actual hiring process for this? You know, Let, let's suppose, for example, and, and I don't mean this to sound, you know, disrespectful to the two guys that are going to be doing this the rest of the season, but one of them was the running backs coach two days ago, and now he's the offensive coordinator, and there's no way anybody could be seeing that as anything other than a communication move, which is something that Tomlin pretty much acknowledged, meaning Eddie Faulkner's great with the athletes. He'll get them back on board when it comes to spirit and camaraderie and all that other stuff, right? But let's say purely for hypothetical purposes that this offense was to just explode. And I'm talking about Sunday. They just light up the Bengals defense. Put up, I don't know. I just say this with a straight face. But 31 points, okay? And then you just start to see things steamrolling. They look really, really good. Okay, you have to consider the guys who get you there. That's not going to happen. There's no one else. There's no one else inside that physical structure on South Water Street who is even remotely close to being capable of being a coordinator. You're going to have to do a search. And when you do the search, one of the items on the Steelers checklist going back decades is make sure you get somebody who you'll be able to keep for a long time. Well, guess what? In the year 2023, in the modern NFL, you don't keep coordinators for a long time, not on offense. They become head coaches. And that's okay. That's fine. You get yourself one of these Mike McDaniel types, these eggheads, these nerds, whatever it is that you want to call them, who just eat, sleep, and breathe. Modern offensive studies, modern offensive analyses. And they come in and they they do great for you for a couple of years, and then everybody wants to hire them somewhere else. Well, one of two things can happen. That person can either succeed Tomlin if he decides he's going to hang it up, or, you know, you just go through the process again. It's not the end of the world. You don't always have to hire people that Tomlin can keep under his thumb. For example, bringing in Glenn Thomas. Do you know what I actually know about Glenn Thomas and what he does with the Steelers? Hold up your forefinger and your thumb. Press them together. All right, now press that much harder. That's what I know, and I'm there a lot. I don't have any concept of what he contributes to this team. I do know that in this multifold act of replacing Matt Canada, that Thomas was left with nothing at all. 
So why was he brought in? And not to sound ageist here, but he's in his 60s. He hadn't really been doing anything in the National Football League. He wasn't all that accomplished in college. What was that all about? How do these hires happen? How do they get allowed by Art Rooney? This is where your owner has to step in and say, listen, we're going to conduct a real live search for this offensive coordinator. And you know what? We might do it at defensive coordinator too. That's enough of just hiring these people who we think we're comfortable with and cozy with, and they can just hang around here forever. It's been a 24 hours. It really has. It's a good, good development for this franchise. However down you might have been about what happened Sunday in Cleveland, believe me, this wouldn't have taken place. This wouldn't have unfolded if not for losing to the Browns and the way they did. So consider yourself at least a little bit lucky this week because there will be one more week onto this season to see how this offense or if this offense matures, how this quarterback or if this quarterback matures. I don't think much of the possibilities for the remainder of this season for obvious reasons. But I do think that's worthwhile. I really do. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. I'm going to do one more really unusual episode tomorrow for Thanksgiving. See you then.